All right. Hey, good morning to you. Woo, my cup overflows. I'm sitting there, you know, and I love the words of that song, you know, a tiny rock made a giant fall. And, you know, God can use the smallest thing to bring big change into our lives, and that's just exciting. And then I leaned over and told Judy. Actually, I walked over and told Judy. I said, Judy, the band gets better every week. The band just gets better. We are so blessed. Don't lose that. Um, new faces and, and just a wonderful job. And last song was so great, and you'll understand why in just a few moments. So, yeah, and we, um, we start a new series today, okay? Um, family matters do matter. We're going to be spending the next, well, to the end of June. How about that? How many weeks it turns out to be? Uh, we'll be spending the next, to the end of June talking about family. And then every sermon, if I've got it planned right and God says it's okay, um, everyone has matter in it. As an example here, as a matter of fact, family matters. As a matter of fact, family matters. And I think it's, um, oh, maybe next week, we're talking about what's the matter with you, talking about family relationships. That was pretty good. And then about the third week, we're going to talk about senior adults and I am one and an encouragement to our senior adults, but also a different twist on there that you young people need to hear. And it's called Aging Matters. And so, well, you get the idea. So we're going to be talking about a lot of matter of fact things over the next few weeks. But today, as a matter of fact, family matters. We want to kick off the idea and the thought just how important family is. Now, here's the deal. I, I wish there was some way. I wish I had a magic silver bullet where I could encourage you to, to hear and apply what you're going to hear over the next weeks because, um, well, this is just so important. This is a very critical time um, for families in our nation. So if there was some way I could, I could sprinkle fairy dust over us and make us just absorb God's word, I would certainly do this. I think as I get older, I realize just how important it is that we grasp and hold on to the Word of God. So let's look at our intro um, today. As a matter of fact, families matter. Now, here here's simply says, we should thank God for the home, for it is the hope of our culture and our country. Thank God, because it was his idea. What a great idea it was. Um, he performed the first marriage in the Garden of Eden. You know, he creates Adam, and then from the rib creates Eve, and, and that's the start of family. That was the first marriage, um, and that was the first family, and what a great idea it was. And someone has said, someone said, and you see the, the intro there, for the home, uh, for it is the hope of our culture and our country. You know, someone said, as the as the home goes, so goes the country. As the home goes, so goes country. And so the building block for our society, and again, this is why we should thank God, is the home. It's family. Um, and so it's so important we get a grasp of what God's got to say about families today. Now, we struggle with this. Um, I think it probably started in the 60s. Um, I'm old enough to remember a little bit of the 50s, uh, not a whole lot. I was born in 54, so I was young. Um, but, you know, it, it was Father Knows Best. It was Leave it to Beaver. You know, it was just a different, a wholly different time. Um, but it also had different values. It had different values. Um, back in, in those days, mostly the country... Um, kind of lined up with the Judeo-Christian values of the Bible. And again, if you're, if you're, you know, hey, students, you don't even know what I'm, you can't even 
think about what I'm talking about. And, and most of you in this room today, a chunk of you who are under, at least under probably 40 or 50, really have just no clue about those days. But those were good days. Those were good days. Um, those were days when, uh, when the church was really strong. And the church was kind of the universe um, of, of a lot of people's uh, world. You know, that's just, that's what it revolved around. It was a crazy thing. But then along comes the 60s. And I think that's really when, in the 60s kind of started changing things. Um, of course, we know now. And by the way, hello, boomers, that's us. You know, those of us who were born right after World War II, it was kind of our deal. We kind of led the charge in the 60s, and it was the, you know, drugs, sex, and rock and roll, and anything goes, and feels good, do it, and flower, children, all that stuff. Well, all that came along, and along about that time, um, the home took its first blow. Um, it was about that time that that culture began to undermine marriage. So write that word down, undermine marriage. It's about that time, up until that point, um, divorce was rather frowned upon, if you will, by culture. You know, oh, you know, she's, she got divorced, he got divorced. And it was kind of frowned upon about that. But then in the 60s, it, 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 kept, it, it just like snowballed and it started out small and got bigger and bigger where divorce was totally socially acceptable. In fact, not only that, it got accepted in a lot of, of the churches. You know, it just became a kind of a norm thing, okay? And so that was a great undermining to the home. And that's important because it says what? We should thank God for the home, for it's the, it's the hope of our culture and our country. And so when divorce became so acceptable, it undermined the, the foundation, the building block. Now, a couple of things. First off this, uh, well, Dwayne, that, that's a little painful. I've been through a divorce. I understand. You know, so let me just encourage you in a couple of ways. This sermon's not about this. This is all free. Um, first off, if, if you're in a, if you've been divorced and you're in a marriage right now, start right now. Make this marriage the marriage of a lifetime. You can't go back and undo the past. Okay, so so make the marriage you're in now a commitment for a lifetime because that's what God intended. God intended for a marriage to be. I was sitting having um, supper with Doc Yule. Uh, we were sitting in the backyard and we were talking about geese. Now, he said this. I, I hadn't had time to look this up. I know there are certain animals, but he said, Dwayne, did you know that geese mate for life? I said, no, I didn't know that. I knew eagles did. Um, I knew um, penguins do. Okay, penguins do. Um, I didn't know geese. Did. But yeah, they, they mate for life. And so, so it was kind of like God's big plan. So whatever marriage you're in now, commit to making it work. Okay, just commit to making it work. Then I've been married 47 years. And so for those of you who still have a tendency to pick up a rock and chuck it, don't. Amen. Can I make that clear? Don't. Okay? We got to get over the rock chucking thing. Okay? Because a person went through the horrors and the pain of a divorce, and you, you've been married a zillion years, does not give you the right to chuck a rock. Okay? Jesus was not a, Jesus was not a rock chucker. And neither should we be. The only time it's appropriate to chuck a rock is at giants. Get it, David? Yeah. Tiny rock. Did you get that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so and then again, if you've gone through this, this painful part of, of marriage, you know, and a breakup of a marriage, just remember this. Boy, God's grace is sufficient. Okay. So no rock chucking. God's grace is sufficient. And commit to the marriage that you're in now. That's all free today. So that was the undermining of, of marriage. Well, that wasn't the end, though, was it? 
We, we chugged along through the 60s and through the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and into the 2000s. And then somewhere along the road there, and I don't, I've already forgotten the date, um, culture decided, well, actually the Supreme Court did, cult, but although culture decided too, that we should not only undermine marriage, we now had the right to redefine marriage. And so long some time ago, um, all of a sudden, it was, it was approved by the Supreme Court that, that where, where God had said marriage was clearly between a man and a woman, okay? Then all of a sudden, the Supreme Court comes along and says, no, no, because of, you know, of the rights and freedoms and all of that. Then all of a sudden, they redefine marriage, that marriage could be between two men and two women, okay? Now, the bottom line is this, no. Okay, just no. And you say, well, Dwayne, why no? Because God said no. That's why, you know, uh, I, I, told, I said, this is not going to be popular with anybody, but, but maybe God and me, I don't know. But, but regardless, you know, the Bible clearly teaches that, that marriage is defined between a, a man and a woman, not two men and not two uh, women. Uh, it's just not the way God designed it to be. And so, so the bottom line, again, is this. You know, you say, well, Dwayne, we live in America. Yeah, but see, here's the deal. Since God created marriage, it's his deal. You know, the Supreme Court, culture, or you, or me, does not have the right to redefine marriage. You can create something else if you want to and make it something else, but biblical marriage belongs to a biblical God, okay? Now, with all that said, so what do you do? Well, here's the deal, you know, Wherever you are in that situation, uh, I, I'm not sure what the answer is for you as far as if you're in a married relationship w- with a man-man-woman-woman relationship. But I will tell you this, you know, first off, God's grace is sufficient. Amen? God's grace is sufficient. And, oh, oh, oh and number two, drop the rocks. You're not going to win people to Jesus by chucking rocks at them. Okay? We've got to learn to be what Jesus would be, and Jesus loves people, and Jesus loves sinners like you and like me. Okay? But we also need to have the courage to say, now, wait a minute. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I'm not judging. I'm not casting rocks. I'm just being biblical. The Bible says that marriage is between a man and a woman. And again, there you go. I mean, you know, you're entitled, you're entitled to that as a Christ follower. All right? They may disagree with you. Okay? But the truth also is the truth. So anyway, so we're cruising down life. And so we undermine marriage. And then we come along and we redefine marriage. But then it took the craziest turn yet that I can't quite get my arms around. And that is we're redefining who we are as people in marriage. In other words, you know, in today's culture now, people are are deciding if if they're a girl, they're a boy. If they're a boy, they're a girl. But the craziest part is, is that this culture is introducing this concept into young children and trying to help them decide if, they're, if they want to be a boy or if they want to be a girl. And it's just nuts. Okay, can I, just, can, can I tell you how I really feel? It's just nuts. It's crazy what's going on in this world. Now, trust me, yeah, this, is, this happens in Europe, it happens in Canada, it happens in France, happens all around. But America's the kingpin of all this gender confusion and all of that. So once again, though, okay, you know, I, I believe that, you know, pray God will send um, gospel witnesses into the lives of these folks, okay, and we see this, this malady uh, go away, 
Just pray, God, God, get us back to where we need to be. Oh, oh, and just in case you're tempted to, drop the rocks. You're not going to win anybody chucking rocks. I mean, church, hear that, okay? Because again, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again just to be clear, that this has to be a place of acceptance. Not accepting of sin, accepting of people. And no matter who walks through these doors, they got to know that this is a safe place. And guess what? They're going to hear the gospel. And the gospel, if the gospel offends them, they're going to be offended. Because we are not going to change the message to make people happy. We are going to preach the word of God. But the good news is, that's hope. That's the answer. Jesus is the answer for the sin problem in America. So, back to our intro, we should thank God for the home, for the home is the hope of our culture and our country. And so much, so much of what we're experiencing as a country and a culture goes back to what I just talked about in the home. Now, again, speaking now to the believers in Christ, the, the, the Jesus followers in the room, okay? Every day, let us remember that our responsibility, our responsibility and our priority, our priority is to build godly families. So if you're a Jesus follower, now, by the way, all that stuff I just talked about, about you know, undermining marriage, redefining marriage, and redefining who people are, you know, that is not our call. Again, that's God's call. Okay, if, you are, if, you, if you're a Jesus follower, you just signed up for that, okay, to, 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 to believe what the Word of God says. Okay, so, so now, as a Jesus follower, you need to nail this down. I hope you're taking notes, okay? Every day, let's remember that our responsibility and priority is to build godly families. Now, notice he didn't, the notes doesn't say, you know, to build families, okay? Culture's building families, all right? But the goal is... You know, our goal, our drive, is that we build godly families. And it may consist of a single mom or a single dad. We get that. It may be a mom or a dad, you know. We, and, and, you know, that would be our, our, our not our goal, but, but his goal. But the key is we've got to build godly families. We've got to build families that are based on the Word of God. Let me say that again real clearly. Not, not some crazy preacher not some crazy denomination. We have got to build families based on the Word of God. There are plenty of crazy preachers. There are plenty of crazy denominations. But the Word of God's never crazy. It's never crazy. It's, it was right. It, mm, it is right. And it's going to be right. It's just going to be. It's just going to be. You can count, you can count on that. So, so what does a godly family look like? What does a godly family look like? Well, Jonathan Edwards uh, has you know, said this. You know, every Christian family, now again, note that word in there, Christian family. Every godly family, if you like that word better. Every Christian family, every godly family ought to be, as it were, a little, and I want to almost put like a gospel or biblical or some word in their church, because my goodness alive, not every church is, is biblical or godly, either one. I mean, they're like piranha tanks, okay? Um, but, but we'll give Jonathan Edwards the benefit of a doubt. Every Christian family ought to be, as it were, a little church, and here's what he means by that, consecrated to Christ. 
Okay, if you are a Jesus follower, and again, if you're a single mom, if you're a single dad, or if it's a traditional marriage of a, a, a man and a wife in, in, you know, in, in the home, however it's defined out there, okay, we need to consecrate our families to Christ. What does that mean? That means to dedicate our families to Christ. That's the key. That's the key. Dedicating it to Christ. My family is dedicated. What did Joshua say? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. So that's, that's what it means there. When he talks about consecrated to Christ, we're dedicating. We're going to say, hey, I don't know what, I don't know what Susie down the road is going to do or Bobby down the road is going to do. I don't know what the Joneses look I'm trying to, tired of trying to keep up with those Joneses, people. I don't know what the Joneses are going to do, but I know what we're going to do. We're going to be consecrated to Christ. Hey, 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 we're going to raise our kids in this crazy counterculture uh, that we live in. We're going to raise our kids to be consecrated. To Christ. We're going to consecrate our families to Christ. And, and then he says, holy influenced and governed by. Okay, let's break that up in two. Holy influenced. Okay, so that means that we allow the Christ, we allow the word of God to permeate our families. You know, we've all probably enjoyed a good piece of meat that's been well marinated it might be a chunk of chicken or a steak, uh, a roast, um, whatever it might be. And you put that, that dude in marinade overnight, and the marinade permeates the meat. And then you throw it on the, either on the crock pot or on the grill, whatever you're going to do. And when you bite into it, you go, oh my, that is so good. Okay? And the reason why is the marinade influenced the meat. So we're not going to dedicate our families to Christ. Okay, we are going to allow the word of God to holy. How much? Say it with me. Holy influence. We're not going to we're not going to say over here. No, I'm going to set this. You know, I want the word of God to impact that part, but not this part. Okay, so we're going to allow the word of God to holy influence. And then this word governed by his rules. And that probably is a big pushback. We don't like people telling us what to do. And if we were more honest than we're going to be, we don't like God telling us what to do. A lot of people push back from this whole deal is because we don't want God telling us what to do. Well, Jonathan Edwards says, no, no, no. Listen, if we should be like a little gospel church. We should be wholly committed. We should be wholly influenced. And we should be governed by his rules. You've got to determine what is going to impact your life. How, what worldview are you going to have? Are you going to have the worldview of culture are you going to have the worldview of the Word of God? You're just going to have to choose. Okay? Now, again, John, uh, Joshua said, As for me and my house will serve the Lord. Um, Jesus came along and says, You can't serve two masters. So you're going to have to choose, okay, which one's it going to be. And again, it's just such a wise decision to let the Word of God impact and influence us. Now, I found out from first service that what we're going to do is we're only going to get through a little bit of this, okay? And our, our scripture today, um, we're going to look at Psalm 127, 1 and 2, and we're just going to look at the first part of verse number 1, and we'll either get the rest of that on a Wednesday night or something. I sometimes teach the men, and, and we may share with that on a Wednesday night or sometime, okay? But let's look at Psalm 127, 1, and, and, the, and the big title is, The Lord Builds. The Lord builds. And we're talking about homes, and we're talking about houses, and we're talking about 
families. Now, just to confuse you just a little bit, and again, I didn't get to any of this. Um, this is the first one, the Lord builds, and we talk about the environment, the environment. Now, the environment is something that influences you from the outside, okay? So we're going to look at that perspective, how God influences us from the outside, from the outside. So the Lord builds, and here's what it says, unless the Lord Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Now, write that down. And you may find that offensive. I don't know. Okay? Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. And here's the, here's the, big, you know, the big news, the big word. I like what Trey said in first service. The headline, the headline is this, is that some, you're going to build, either you're going to build or somebody else is going to build or God's going to build your house, your family, your home. Okay, and you've got to choose which one is that going to be. And the author comes along and says, well, listen, I'm going to tell you my perspective. The word of God's perspective is that unless the Lord builds that house, the work of the builders is going to be in vain. It's, it's going to be wasted. Um, Robert Burns in 1785. Okay, that's that's older than like Ezra. Okay, it's really old. Okay, so Robert. Bur- yeah, you're for, you're welcome. Yeah, it's older than Barbara, too, so it's okay. All right, so, so Robert Burns said this in 1785, and you probably have heard part of this. The best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. Anybody heard that before? Yeah, yeah, a few of y'all have. Okay, a few of y'all have. Yeah, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. In other words, no matter how often, how well we try to plan, no matter how well we try to get it right, even with our best efforts, they often, things just don't work. Things just don't work. And here's the deal. If we determine, you know what, I'm going to do my best, I'm going to do my, my absolute best in my opinion, in my way, to build the house, to build my family. I, I think I have the gift of parenting. I had the gift of being a good husband or a good wife. Um, I'm really going to try hard, okay? And I, I, think I, can, I think I can pull this off, okay? I'm, I'm going to be the exception to the rule. I know, I know what the psalmist said. Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the laborers is built. I know that, but I think I'm going to be the exception. Well, just remember this. The best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. They often don't work out. Here's the big news. Are you ready for the big news? God's plans always work out. I love that last song. He won't, he won't, he won't fail me. He won't, he won't, he won't fail me. And I got news for you. Man, follow God's plan, he never fails. Follow God's plan, he never fails. You know, if you're sitting here and you're on the verge of getting married, commit now, God's plan. Um, You know, students, in some time in the future, most likely y'all are going to get married and just determine now, okay, one, I'm going to let, I'm going to invite God in to choose my future spouse, my mate, okay, I'm going to let God in on that decision. And two, when we get married, okay, then we're going to encourage and we're going to invite and make sure that God is invited to dinner every night. Okay, God's invited to dinner every night, okay? So I'm going to determine. I know that my plans may not work, so I want God's plans that never fail to work. Now, now here's the deal. You know, in, in uh, Proverbs 19.21, Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans... In the mind of a man. 
Hmm, that's good. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So we got all these plans. This is how I'm going to do life. This is how I'm going to do marriage. This is how I'm going to do parenting. This is how I'm going to do my career. This is how I'm going to do my future, okay? Yeah, all of us have plans, but keep in mind, the purpose of the Lord never fails. The purpose of the Lord never fails. So we need to make sure and understand that God, I know my best efforts may not be enough, but yours always is. Yours always is. There's a great scripture in Proverbs, which interestingly enough is the is the um, book of wisdom in Psalm 24. Proverbs 24. Uh, go ahead, Eli, get them up there for me. There you go. Proverbs 24, three and four. Here's what it says: A house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. A house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Now, this is what's interesting. Um, let me get my reference here so I can give it to you. Um, Proverbs 9.10. Proverbs 9.10 says this, you know. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And sometimes it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You flop it either way, and it says the exact same thing. Okay? So... If a house is built by wisdom, and you say, Dwayne, I want, and by the way, wisdom is a simple definition, is, is the proper use of knowledge. Okay, that's very simple, simplistic, but, you know, a house is built by wisdom. I want, I want my house to be a wise house. Not a white house, a wise house. I, I want my house to be built on wisdom. Dwayne, how do I do that? The fear of the Lord. Now, Here's the good news. This is not, oh, no, God is going to zap me if I don't do the right thing. If I don't obey him, he's going to punish me. It's not that kind of fear. It's reverence. It's respect. It's worship. Okay? So when we reverence and we respect and we worship God, okay, that is the beginning of wisdom. So when you are now in your house and you're, you're either you're fixing to get married or you have been married or you know, whatever it is, okay, when you're there, understand this. To build your house on wisdom, you've got to respect, you've got to worship, you've got to honor God. Just mark it down. Mark it down. Mark it down. Above everything else, honor God, respect God. Serve God, okay? A house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. I, I, this cannot be original because it's too cute, you know? But I was thinking, I think last night or this morning, I can't remember, but I said this, and again, it can't be original. It's, I said this. I said, never has common sense been more uncommon. Never has common sense been more uncommon. Can I be blunt? I'm going to use the S word, Judy. Just turn your ears off. I've never seen such stupidity in culture in my life. People are making the craziest, the stupidest, the S word in our house. You just don't say the word stupid. Guys, we are, people are making the craziest decisions. Just the craziest decision. Forget, lay God over here somewhere. Lay, just, just let's just lay God right over here for a moment. Just for a moment, okay? Lay God over here. I'm not talking about biblical stupid. I'm just talking about people doing things that don't make any sense. Okay? And so, so it's just crazy. And, and if we want to have a strong house, we've got to have common sense. And by the way, let me just put a word in there and make it real clear for you. Common biblical sense. Where do you get common sense? You get it from the Word of God. You get it from the Word of God. I'm telling you, look, 
Get in the book. I mean, now, if you're not a Jesus follower, by now you're going, can you wind this up? And I'm never coming back, by the way. But if you happen to be a Jesus follower, get into your Bible and see what God says about whatever it is you're wrestling with. I love the, I love the fact that the Bible it will hit just about everything. Now, it's not going to hide, you know, the, the problem of nuclear weapons in the world, necessarily. But I'm telling you, the Word of God hits on so many topics and will help you a lot, okay? And will give you the good sense that you need. You know, for instance, you're trying to decide if you should go eat lunch with her and her is not your wife, and you're trying to decide if it's okay or not. Yeah. Now, remember those stupid things I was talking about? That's one of them. Okay? So, Smile. You know, so a house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Through knowledge, its rooms, through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious, riches, and valuables. Doesn't that sound like a house you'd like to have? You know, I, I found a scripture. Cause I, always, I, I really like to tie a scripture in. You know, in Romans chapter 11, verse number um, uh, 33. Oh, the death of the riches. Oh, the death of the riches both of wisdom and knowledge of God. Let me read that again. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So if we want to build this strong house, uh, if we want to let God build our house, then we're going we're to make sure it's, it's built by wisdom, and we're going to use common sense found in the Bible. Okay, We're going to have the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God, and it's going to fill the rooms with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. And guys, students, this is so true for you too. It's so true for you too. I mean, it's so valuable. All right? So finally, now, now we get down to the most common scripture, and we all love it. And boy, does it fit here. You know, does it fit here. We're going to go over to Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 24. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24. And this is where the songs that we talked about tie in today so well. Even the last song was just so well tied in. So, so here we are, and this is Jesus, and we're at the Sermon of the Mount. And um, it's your favorite time of the sermon. It's about over, okay? Here comes Kentucky Fried Chicken or whatever. It's coming. Jesus is about to wind her down, okay? And this is toward the end of that message. And in this message, he covers everything. I mean, it's like in one big old message, these are what I'm going to be teaching for the next three years, okay? So he says this, anyone. Now, who? That's pretty inclusive, isn't it? That's anyone. It's not like certain people, whoever gets it right or wrong. Anyone, now, now listen, who listens to my teaching, and follows it. Ah, see? See? You see the difference there? Whoever listens to my words, my teachings, but then also follows them, it's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Okay? So, so what Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to build a solid rock house, okay, then what you got to do is you've got to listen and do. Now, I, I'm not trying to be offensive, okay? But the bottom line is, on any given Sunday in any given church, there's a lot more listening going on than doing. Amen. We have no problem. You know, you got up this morning and you came to church. You came to listen, okay? But my question then becomes, did you come just to listen or did you come to listen and to do? 
Yeah, I, I think I really stumbled into something. You know, there is a movement of church just not becoming important. We have families that check out, honestly, mostly for sports. They check out, we'll see you in, in three months, you know, um, dance, cheer, whatever it might be. You know, all these people check out a church. And I'm going, how is it, that, how did this happen? And you know what I think it is? Church just wasn't doing anything for them. And you know why church wasn't doing anything for them? Because they came to listen, they just didn't come to do. It's like going to a doctor. You go to the doctor and say, Doc, here's my situation, here's my problem. He talks to you, you talk to him. Okay, here's what I want you to do. So you go home and you don't do anything with it, and you go, why did I go to the doctor? Why did I pay $45 copay to go talk to the doctor? And the reason nothing happened is because you didn't do something with it. I'm telling you, this is huge. This is big in our culture. This is big in our culture. We are seeing families, you know, those who used to come four now come three weeks. Those who came three go to two, and those who do one, and those who one don't come at all. We're seeing a dramatic, listen to me, we're seeing a dramatic shift in church attendance, okay? And I think one of the big reasons is we listen, but we're not applying. Because, you know, if church, if the truth taught at church is changing our lives, we can't wait to get back here and apply it. Uh, we can't go and go, oh my goodness, I can't wait. What, what is God going to give me today to make my life better? Because, you know, last week he told me this and I applied it and my life is better. You know, I, you know I, I, he gave me this about my family and I applied it and my life is better. I can't wait to go back and get something else that's going to make my life better. But if all we're doing is listening, sometimes the lake is more attractive. The soccer field, the ball field, the golf course. Sometimes it's just good to sleep in. But if we're listening and doing, you're afraid to miss because it's so valuable to you. So Jesus is saying something really big here. He said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows, and by the way, this wasn't Paul or John or Dwayne. This is Jesus speaking. Whoever listens to my teaching and follows that, it's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. In other words, they're, they're building a house, okay, and they build it on this solid, this solid rock. Now, look at verse number 25. Okay. Again, once again, this was in one of the songs. Though the rain comes in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. It's built on bedrock. So what Jesus says is, he says, okay, the person who listens and does, it's like a person who builds his house on solid rock. And here is the result of a house built on solid rock, okay? A hurricane comes. Now, I'm a southern boy. We grew up with hurricanes, Okay? Look at this, and I know he didn't have hurricanes in mind, but it's a good illustration for us. What are the three things in a hurricane that are dangerous? First off, torrential rain. Not, not five inches, not ten inches, twenty inches, twenty-five inches of rain. Secondly, floodwaters. What's the biggest danger in a hurricane? Ask Fort Myers Beach. Storm surge. The water's pushed in by the wind and destroys the homes. Okay, storm surge. And the winds. 165 mile an hour winds. So when a major hurricane comes, you've got three things. You've got the torrential rain, you've got the storm surge, and you've got the wind. Okay? So Jesus says, though, 
though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, guess what? It won't collapse. And why? Because they went to church? No, because it's built on bedrock. And what's bed, you know, what does he mean by bedrock? It's built on doing and hearing the word of God. Doing and hearing the word of God. Now, I like this word bedrock. I thought about this. Um, I thought about a verse that you may not have thought about. It's Matthew chapter 16, 18. Let, let, let me tell you a story real quickly. So, so here's, here's the setup. So, you know, Jesus is over in Caesarea Philippi, you know, and he asks the boys and says, so who do people think I am? Well, they said, well, some people think you're Elijah, and some think you're Elijah, uh, Elijah, some think you're Jeremiah or some other prophet. And so Jesus said, well, who do you think I am? And it was Peter who said, well, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, ding, ding, ding. Well, he didn't go ding, 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 but you get the point. You know, you know, Jesus said, Peter, you're right. Boy, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he says this in verse 18. Peter, or excuse me, he says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Now, again, I don't, I'm not sure how this gets confused but I know the Catholic Church honestly believes that when he said, you are Peter on this rock, that Peter was the rock. And my only question is, why would you build your massive church on a guy who's who going to betray you and never gets it right? In fact, why would you build your church on any human? It just doesn't make sense. In fact, the word Peter is uh, Petros, small stone. And when he says rock, it's the word Petra, which is massive, unmovable stone. So he says, you are Peter... And upon this rock. Well, what is the rock? It's, 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 it's Jesus, but it's the truth. You are Jesus. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus is saying, upon that truth, that I am the son of God, I will build my church. And when you want to know what bedrock is? Bedrock is the solid rock truth that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus bled, where's my cross? Jesus bled and died on a Roman cross for the sins of man, that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, that Jesus Christ was a sinless man because he was like no other man. That's the bedrock truth. And if we're going to have a a house, a home that's going to withstand the hurricanes of life. And hurricanes will come. Hurricanes come into your life. You're going to have to build it on bedrock. And the bedrock is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's it. It's not church. It's not some loudmouth preacher. It's not some denomination. You build your life. You build your house, your home on the solid rock, which is Jesus Christ. So you might ask the question... You know, is that where that song came from? Yeah. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground. Would you remember that, please? All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. We've got to build our homes on Jesus. There is no room in building your home for preferences. It's got to be, he's got to be more than a conviction. It's got to be Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. Well, let's wind this sucker up. So along comes verse 26. 
Then Jesus says, but anyone, and that's anyone, anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. Wow. How about that? Anyone who hears, listens, a lot of listening going on, a lot of listening going on, but instead of applying, we go home. We, we endure, we, we worship, and, and, we, and we even might go, that was a good sermon, okay? I listen to the sermon, but we don't do anything with it. Jesus said, that's just foolish. It's just foolish. It's like a person who builds a house on sand, who doesn't have a good foundation with sand because of the sand. You know, I, I love, and I'm not really, I'm, I'm, it's, it's red. My timer's red, which means, whoops. Okay, but you know that Psalm 14 one, and we keep throwing it up there. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. You know, here it is. You know, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it's foolish. It's foolish. You know, that verse describes an atheist, okay, one who does not believe in God. But it also describes a practical atheist. What's a practical atheist? It's a person who honestly and truly believes in God, but lives as if there is no God. In other words, it's my call. You know, God isn't building my house. I'm building my house. God doesn't build my life. I'm building my life. I'm calling the shot. Students, I'm calling the shot for my career. I'm calling the shot who I'm going to marry. I'm calling the shots of what I'm going to do the rest of my life, my purpose. I'm calling that. Okay, that's a practical atheist. When you say you believe in God, and you really do, but you live as if there is no God. Well, that, the scripture there says it's foolish. And then Jesus comes along and says, that's just foolish. It's like a person who builds their house on sand. Now, I told you, remember what I told you what bedrock was? Bedrock is the truth of Jesus Christ. Guess what sand is? Anything else. Anything else. No matter how good it seems, no matter how good your intentions, if you are building your life or your home on anything besides Jesus, mark it down. It is sand. It is sand. And sand has consequences. Look at our next verse. Verse 27. When, I like this, just, you know, it said, the first verse said, though the hurricane comes. Notice what this says, when the hurricane comes. Okay, so we're going to have a hurricane, okay? And in that hurricane, we're going to have torrential rains. And we're going to have floods, we're going to have storm surge, and we're going to have winds, okay? So when that, that hurricane comes into your life, and it will. Some of us have lived long enough to experience several emotional, spiritual, practical hurricanes. If you haven't yet, students, if you haven't got a hurricane yet, hang on. Some of you have. Some of you one day, your mom walked in and said, me and your dad's getting a divorce, and it racked your world. Okay? So when the floods, rains and the floods, and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When we say... I'll build the house. I, I, I'm going to beat the odds. I'm going I'm to do this thing. I, I'm going to do it. You just need to know something. Jesus says it's going to collapse. And not, not that it might collapse. It's going to collapse. And it's going to be a mighty crash when it does. 
So what are you going to build your house on? Who, who's going to build your house? Now, I love you guys. I've been with you 20, almost 23 years. I don't have an agenda to play out today. I just love you. And I look at these students here, and one day, one day sooner than your mom and dad realize, these, these, out, these years just click by. And you're going to be faced with, again, what career? Who are you going to marry? What decisions are you going to make? And you need to make those decisions now. You know, you've got to set some standards. I heard this from somebody this week. You know, you've got to set the standard who you're going to marry. What, what kind of man are you going to marry? What kind of woman are you going to marry? Is he going to have to be all, if, as long as he's good looking, that's all that matters? Or does he have to have God? And of course, that's the right answer. So, so, so you're going to marry. And, and some of you single adults out there, you're about to make a decision to marry too. Have you got God's okay on that? Did you ask God, God, is this what you want for me? You know, some of you are about to have children or have children. And boy, the great news, I love this because it's never too late. You can, you can have made a mess of parenting and God can still bring grace into your life. He's just waiting for you to say, God, I need you. Instead of just waiting for you to ask. Waiting for you to ask. Now, it may take a while to smooth out the consequences. And some of them may never get smoothed out. But he will not leave you nor forsake you nor abandon you. Who? Are you going to allow to build your house? It's not popular culture anymore. I wish I could tell you, you do things God's way and everybody's going to pat you on the back. Your neighbor's going to pat you on the back and say, no, they're going to say you're a bigot. They're going to say you're stupid. That's thrown away now. You know, Christians are stupid. You know, we, we, we need God because we're so weak. Just get ready for that. But you've got to determine who is going to build your house. And if you build your house, no matter how big the hurricane, if you build it on God, it will stand. As a matter of fact, family does matter. And if you truly believe your family matters, build it on the rock. Let's pray. Well, Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing this. Um, Boy, some of it I know about from practical experience that I wish I didn't know about. I pray, Father, that you will speak and touch hearts today. I really do pray that. I pray, Father, that we'll make a command decision to put our faith and trust in you. I pray for every, I pray for every single man and woman that as they make the determination for marriage, that you would guide that decision. I pray for every couple, every mother and father in this room, that as they make decisions concerning their family in a world that it's just not popular to do the Jesus thing, that they will choose to build their house on the rock. I pray for that. I pray for, we're going to talk to our senior adults in just a couple, three weeks. But Father, give us the wisdom to be godly examples. Godly examples for those around us. May we live the kind of life where they look at us and want what we have. So I pray for that. So, Lord, this is your time. Holy Spirit, only you can change the hearts of men, women, and children. Holy Spirit, only you can draw people to the Father. And we ask you to do that. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.